Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers, where we provide you with up-to-date information on cancer care and research. Our host, Dr. Stephen Gore, is Director of Hematological Malignancies at SMILO and an expert on myelodysplastic syndromes. He interviews some of the nation's leading oncologists and cancer specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. If you're interested in listening to past editions of Yale Cancer Center Answers, all of the shows are posted on the Yale Cancer Center website at YaleCancerCenter.org. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can contact the doctors directly. The address is canceranswers at yale.edu. Here's Dr. Gore. Good evening. This is Dr. Stephen Gore, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Scott Huntington. Dr. Huntington is an assistant professor of medicine at Yale, at the Yale School of Medicine, in the Division of Hematology. And he's here with me tonight to discuss hematologic malignancies, and particularly his interest in lymphoma. Scott, thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's great to be here. Scott, how did you get interested in blood malignancies, and how did you get interested in lymphoma? Yeah, sure. So um, two major uh, draws to the field. Um, One came very early in medical education. Uh, where I had the opportunity to spend some time in a cancer clinic, a blood cancer clinic, and to witness uh, those uh, really rich and rewarding relationships between physicians and, and their patients in that um, you know, rather difficult uh, period of uh, cancer diagnosis and really guiding them uh, through the therapy was inc- really a rewarding experience. And so um, that patient relationship really drew me to this, uh, this field. And at the same time, the science behind uh, cancer and the science behind advancing our therapies for the cancer um, really was a, a twofold kind of link between the patients and the science. Um, and there really wasn't no question early on that I wanted to be uh, an oncologist and, um, and a blood cancer specialist. Hmm. In terms of lymphoma, um, the real draw there is that um, Uh, Lymphoma can impact patients of all ages, so I have a very diverse patient population, um, and uh, the therapies are incredibly diverse. And so every day is something new, something exciting, and it's a very multidisciplinary uh, field where we have our pathologist involved in terms of diagnosis. We have our uh, chemotherapy or therapies that we're we're recommending, and also radiation therapists as well kind of coming together. And so it's a really incredibly rewarding field to be in, um, and the scientific advances uh, are, are really coming quickly so that the, the therapy is changing and uh, improving clinical outcomes uh, for the better. Hmm. So is there more than one kind of lymphoma, not one unique disease? Yeah, so lymphoma is the most common uh, hematological malignancy. So it's about 60% of all blood cancers. And in terms of blood cancers, um, that um, uh, represents about 10% of cancers. So within uh, blood cancers, lymphoma is the most common, and there are many different types of of, of lymphomas. We uh, typically categorize the, the more broad categorization to Hodgkin lymphoma and non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Um, and with, within Hodgkin lymphoma, there are a few different varieties. Um, most classically, patients present in their younger, uh, either late adolescence or younger adulthood, uh, whereas non-Hodgkin lymphoma can be further divided many, many times over uh, into T cells and B cells, and within those, there's many different subdivisions. And the therapies really uh, depend on, on what uh, you know, subtype of a subtype of lymphoma that you have. And so um, the pathology diagnosis and uh, the uh, clinical diagnosis really come together to form uh, what, the, what the therapeutic recommendations will be for our patients. Hmm. So how do patients, uh, how do patients find out that they have a lymphoma? Like, why would you think 
be worried about it, or how would you come to medical attention? Sure. Um, so the clinical presentation for lymphoma varies as well, and so there are very slow-growing, what we call indolent lymphomas or low-grade lymphomas, where a patient may be completely asymptomatic, um, and the diagnosis usually comes incidentally. And so that means on an annual, annual physical exam, maybe a, pa a patient um, uh, notices a lump, and their, their provider uh, recognizes that this is a new lymph node that is enlarged, um, and that could lead to a diagnosis, or potentially um, annual blood counts may, might be low, and so that could lead to further workup. And then finally, actually it's quite common, is that patients are getting um, imaging for other, other diseases or other, other etiologies, whether it be a kidney stone or um, appendicitis, and sure enough, there's some lymph nodes that are there um, on imaging, and uh, further diagnosis could, could certainly define whether this could be an indolent lymphoma. On the other end of the spectrum are the more what we call aggressive or um, uh, kind of high-tempo uh, lymphomas, where patients really uh, progress over weeks to, to months in terms of becoming symptomatic. And so the symptoms associated with that may be a rapidly uh, enlarging uh, node or lesion, um, uh, profound fatigue or anemia, um, where someone might be short of breath, um, really having trouble getting up in, to kind of start their day. Um, there's also risk for low platelet count sometimes. So these are the, the, the cells that stop us from bleeding. So patients may have bruising or easy bleeding. Um, and then finally, things like weight loss or poor appetite, a fever, chills, night sweats. Those are the, the classic symptoms associated with more kind of up-tempo or aggressive lymphoma. Hmm. And, and uh, while those symptoms uh, are scary, I would think, I think people get really frightened when they're losing weight and not trying to, or, you know, those night sweats, which can be so uncomfortable and everything. In some ways, uh, you know, the, the other thing you were mentioning earlier about the low-grade lymphomas being found on a scan, it, it, what a scary thought that you could have these enlarged cancerous lymph nodes and not know about it. Isn't that something we, we should be scanned all the time for to get them out as quickly as we can? That's a really good question. So, um, in terms of indolent lymphomas, uh, the classic tempo is that really these things are forming over over years, typically, um, and. Um, when they do form, uh, usually they're, they remain asymptomatic until uh, they develop um, either the accumulation of cells that they're pushing on, um, you know, an organ that that may that may be of importance, or they're on the periphery, so we can feel these lymph nodes and they become a, a, the attention to the patient. The thing about indolent lymphoma is that um, these are very slow growing, and our therapies are highly effective, um, but the treatment actually can't get rid of all the all the, the lymphoma cells. So the indolent lymphomas generally generally are actually treated um, right before patient becomes symptomatic. So if we identify it, we actually do this thing that we call active surveillance. And so we're looking at kind of the pace, defining the pace of a, the indolent lymphoma and really trying to treat before a patient might become symptomatic. That's really in stark contrast to the more aggressive lymphomas, where these aggressive lymphomas, the cells are really all replicating. And so our traditional therapies that go after fast dividing cells have the potential to get rid of all of them. And so we actually can cure a very um, you know, a high number of aggressive lymphomas. And so as soon as an aggressive lymphoma is diagnosed, we are uh, more apt to really try to um, treat this aggressively with, with treatment. Um, and again, for the indolent lymphomas, um, commonly we do this thing called active surveillance where we're really just watching the patient, which can be very difficult for, for someone that they're diagnosed with a new uh, disease, they're told it's a cancer, um, but then we step back and say, we need to watch this. Never and, mind, right? Yeah. And um, 
you know, in, in some folks, we can watch this for, for years and years, and potentially um, they will never need therapy. And so that's the real, the, the real um, quandary is that we, we certainly want to treat patients um, if it's going to benefit them um, and uh, improve their quality and, and quantity of life. Um, but we also recognizing that, that some patients actually may never need treatment, and we wouldn't want them to, to really um, have the experience of, of, of the side effects potential of, of the, our therapy. So it's, it's a bit of a nuance, a balance in terms of in lymphoma, there's a really uh, a large spectrum of clinical disease, and the therapies um, really range from, from uh, watching to more intensive treatments. So it sounds like although you specialize in one particular group of cancers, which seems like it could be rather limited base of knowledge. In fact, you're dealing with dozens of different things that you need to know a lot about. That's exactly right. Yeah. Fascinating. And um, is there any way in these lower grade lymphomas to um, study them to know which patients are more likely to have a, a earlier progression or, or more likely to never need to be treated? Is this something people are trying to figure out? Sure, sure. So I guess we take, take a step back and, and discuss how we diagnose a lymphoma. So typically lymphomas, they do involve the lymph nodes. Um, we do occasionally have what we call extranodal or lymph, lymphoma that affects outside the nodes. But really the way that we diagnose it is with a biopsy. So ideally, we take out the area of the lymph node, a small, a small piece, to look at it under the microscope. That helps with the diagnosis. But there are a number of other things that we're learning about um, of lymphoma and, and cancer in general, which is really trying to figure out what, what are the drivers behind our cancers. And so in some lymphomas, we can actually uh, find early drivers that may pretend um, a more uh, aggressive uh, disease course, number one. And number two, uh, we may find things that actually predict a response to one therapy. The, uh, therapy or the other. So within a, a, a single um, type of lymphoma, we're further subcharacterizing uh, based on kind of the molecular markers, and that really is going to have a, a pretty um, large impact on treatment going forward, um, helping stratify risk, but also trying to predict which therapy is the correct um, approach for an individual patient. So personalized medicine is really coming to lymphoma at a, at a rapid pace. Hmm. So are these tests that uh, can be helpful in choosing therapies, selecting therapies, or uh, in terms of uh, prognostication, are they now standard part of diagnostic workups in most pathology labs? They're, they're, they, they're a growing, yes. They're a growing um, phenomenon really out, not, out, not only in academic center but outside where, for instance, for chronic lymphocytic uh, leukemia or small lymphocytic lymphoma, um, there are genetic either mutations or what we call translocations that are basically rearrangements of, of common proteins. Um, that really should be do being done in all uh, patients with diagnosis because they really have a, a large impact on therapeutic choices, um, not only in, on risk stratification, but really uh, patients with a certain type of CLL um, seem not to respond as well to chemotherapy and really should be getting uh, novel, what we call novel or oral agents that are, that are more uh, targeting the drivers behind the CLL as opposed to traditional chemotherapy, which is really about going after uh, cells that are dividing. Um, and, and, and leading to cell death that way. And when you say drivers, you're talking about uh, mutated protein genes and proteins that 
biologically affect the cells. Is that right? Exactly, yeah. So in terms of uh, many lymphomas, uh, the, the major driver is a downstream of what we call the B, in terms of B cell, the B cell receptor. And so many of um, these uh, genetic aberrations um, are basically driving the B cell to, to replicate, um, to, to continue to accumulate, as opposed to what's supposed to happen is that these cells um, eventually have a switch that allows them to die. And so this, the on switch is basically left on, and these uh, new treatments are trying to kind of uh, sequel and, and squash that on switch. Um, and Turn the on switch off. Exactly, yeah. Forgive my ignorance, but what's a B cell, Scott? Yeah, so in terms of... Um, lymphoma, we classically subdivide into two, so T cells and B cells. Uh, B cells are really um, all about um, uh, on the path towards what we call antibodies, which are um, uh, what our body makes in response to, to seeing proteins that they don't like. So like infections. Infections, uh, vaccines. So when you get your annual influenza shot or your pneumovax, um, it's really about the B, size, B cells making an antibody response. The T cells, on the other hand, are, are a very diverse field of uh, lymphocytes that have uh, a number of functions in terms of, uh, in terms of allergies, in terms of kind of uh, allowing us to see the world in kind of the correct way. So not over over um, reacting to to every food antigen, um, but also in controlling when things get out of out of out of hand or have damage cell damage. The T cells are really important, and so both T cells and B cells um, can um, can can lead to lymphoma. And the therapy uh, for those are, are quite quite different. Um, and uh, that's that's kind of the the difference between B and T cells. Gotcha. So when you're talking about these B cell lymphomas, you're talking about lymphomas that are related to these antibody forming cells or or the precursors to the antibody Exa- cells. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Okay. Gotcha. Um, so uh, how is the field changing? You you mentioned that there there are new treatments or oral treatments. Mm-hmm. What what what's going on that's new and and how would people know about that stuff? Sure. So I think the major driver of, of clinical changing and, and what we're doing for our patients is better understanding of the disease in themselves. So um, recognizing that a given what we, what we thought was one kind of basket of lymphoma diagnosis is really a number of subclassifications uh, where there's different drivers uh, within the lymphoma. In recognizing that, we're able to bring in uh, different therapies to either target uh, that driver um, or combining our traditional therapies um, to really improve uh, both the responses, so getting into a nicer response or deeper response, and hopefully um, increasing the, the, the chance of cure for many of our patients. This has been another edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers. We hope that you have learned something new and meaningful. If you have questions, go to YaleCancerCenter.org for more information about cancer and the resources available to you. We hope that you will join us again for another discussion on the progress being made here and around the world in the fight against cancer.